Welcome, welcome, everybody, to episode six of the Potentiation Podcast. I'm your host, Fran Kalinsky, and thank you, as always, for listening. I love to start every episode off with gratitude. You guys know that if you've been listening thus far. On episode six, my guest is Mikhailin Rowe, goes by the name of Mac as well. He's a good friend of mine, actor, comedian, director, producer, and writer. I didn't know he did half of those things until I really started talking to him uh, during our time together at Equinox, where we were both trainers. I feel like his background in comedy and acting really served him well when it came to dealing with clients and, and just making them laugh and making them have a good time. So much of what I do with personal training is predicated on making the experience fun. And he doesn't just make the experience hanging out with him fun for his clients, but he's genuinely just an awesome guy to hang out with. He hails from Utah. His mom is an ESPN reporter. So the general theme with a lot of my guests is that they're just interesting people. And you see that with Mac. He really just brings a lot to the table in terms of conversation and, and where he comes from, learning about his life and learning that actually acting is his main passion. Uh, I used to think it was only comedy, having gone to a couple of his stand-up shows. He's really funny, by the way. If they ever open up comedy clubs back in New York City, you guys should go check him out because he has a pretty good routine and always got some funny bits for you. Uh, I'm going to let Mac do most of the talking in this episode. We get into it. We get a little spiritual. We get a little crazy. We get a little Freudian. You'll hear more about it in the episode coming up. This is number six of the Potentiation Podcast. I can't believe we made it this far. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome, everybody, to episode six of the Potentiation Podcast. I'm your host, Fran Kalinsky, and today I have a guest with me today who is, is guaranteed to give you some laughs, of course. If you haven't already laughed on this podcast, I'm sorry for that because I try to be funny a little bit every episode and, and maybe my sense of humor just kind of sucks, but today I have somebody who can maybe make you laugh a little bit more. He's a coworker of mine. I'd, I'd like to say he's a friend first, though. Somebody who hails from Utah, if I'm not mistaken, and has found his way to New York and in search of a career, none other than my friend Mac McKylan Rowe, McKylan Mac Rowe, uh, goes by the stage name, stage name, Chuck McDiggins, uh, maybe, (laughs) Maybe. that's also his Instagram handle if you're interested in following him, but I'll let him do the talking and the introduction, Mac, tell us who you are. Uh, I'm Mac, name's McKylan, Chuck McDiggins is my... It's just my Instagram name. Okay. It's actually, it's funny because it's, um, it's just a name that my family gave me when I'd like get drunk with the family. We'd all be drinking together. With oh, them. yeah, yeah. One of those names. Okay. Exactly. So, made the check McDiggins and now it's, it will go down in infamy. So, uh, tell, tell us how, well, tell us what you do now and then we'll get into what, what got you to doing what you're doing now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I act, uh, I write, I direct a little bit, and um, and a little bit of producing, and this, is, and then also stand up, and that's about it. Just a little bit of everything. So, uh, does any of those? Are, is there any one of those things that comes first? Would you say you have a specialty among all those things? Because I've I've interviewed a few people on this podcast who do a ton of things and. Mm-hmm. A lot of them specialize in one or two of those things. Would you say you're a jack of all trades, or is one of those your your main thing? Um, it kind of changes as the wind blows. Uh, I'd say acting is the one I like to do the most. Hmm. Um, writing is the most like uh, it's like you're trying to get water from a stone. It's just like it's like this weird alchemy of trying to figure out how to like tell this story and build this world, and like it's always it's always yeah. changing and evolving. Right. But um, acting is definitely like my number one. 
so with acting, I'm, I'm very intrigued in acting, by the way. I've always thought about pursuing it as a career. And then, you know, I hear these horror stories of going to auditions and just getting told no. And as a journalist, you know, I'm used to that. I'm kind of used to being rejected for pitches and stuff like that. But it's, it seems a little bit more brutal at auditions. Uh, tell me about your audition history and, and how you developed like the – I was just going to say, develop the balls to go up to people and ask about, can I get this part? Can I, and, and trying out for certain parts. Where, where, where does that come, where do you get the, the gall to, to do that in a, a day in and day out? Well, that's, it's, uh, that's kind of what acting is. Like, yeah. that's the actual job. Like, right. It, it, it feels like it's like, oh, you get to go and play Shakespeare and I get to, oh, I'm going to be like Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like really your job is just to like walk into a room, su- successfully say a couple words and like hope that people like you. That's sell yourself, right? Sell yourself. So what what is it that you go for when you act? Do you do you have a, a character in mind that you feel like suits you best in terms of like I'm talking like genre of acting are are you more of like a actiony guy or does your background in comedy make you more of a funny actor how where do you fall in in that realm it, it's uh it's it's really hard right now because it's like because when you're at the beginning you don't really get like a you don't really have your hands on the wheel right, right. um I think that I'm a lot better at like either like tragedy or comedy. Because those are both like very similar, but yeah. um, those are like the two things that I think that I'm a little bit better at. And then I think that kind of like the genre, like I would love to go into to action. Like I love action movies. That's mm. like the dream is being. I I, I, who, I was I was telling somebody this. I want to be like the the Jordan Peele of action movies. Okay, I like that because they're just I don't know. There's something so gratifying about all of them. Yeah, and. Um, and like bringing the com- like the comedy obviously is important, but like bring the comedy, but also the nuance and kind of nuance and the drama of yeah, it. Right. Being able to hit all those different beats at, at different times and kind of create like a layered performance is kind of that's what I want to do. And like getting through the the funnel of like, oh, uh, uh, what, who am I like? What are, what am I good at? Like getting through that funnel into like actually just successfully like succeed, succeeding in telling stories really. Because when you have a certain amount of success, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when you have a certain amount of success at acting and at being that role that you want to be, you kind of get more freedom. Like, let's say you were to get into Hollywood as a as an action guy, mm-hmm. you can maybe decide in one of your roles, like, hey, I want this to be a little bit funnier. Does that happen at a certain level, or what, what, what's your think, thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, kind of. Especially if that's your, like, if that's the whole, like, your brand. Which, yeah, yeah. It's like the, it's like the, the devil you know kind of thing, because yeah. it's, it's, it's so stupid that we have to brand ourselves as people. Yeah. But, um, like, once you kind of have your brand, if you build into your brand, like, being kind of funny, you have a little bit more options to, you know, when you're going for a role, either, like, you can lean into the funny, or you can be like, oh, he's doing that movie where he, that's his serious one. Yeah. Like when Jamie Foxx did like Collateral, and everybody was like, "Oh, oh, he's like really good." <laughs> yeah. And then he was in Ray, and we were like, "Oh shit, he's really good." So, do you ever worry about in your portfolio of acting? I I don't know if there's any one actor that has just like a flawless record, mm-hmm. like like 
how does how, how does it ebb and flow as your career goes on like do you start like are you just destined to start shitty and get better or yeah. can you start really good and decline because i've always kind of like to your point about jamie fox i thought it was absolutely ridiculous in when he played uh the electro villain in that one Spider-Man oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. I was like, so "Why bad. is Jamie Fox here? This is not." Uh, I I just I was it really threw me off. Yeah, he felt like he was like above it in yeah. a weird way, but then he was also like the worst part of it. It was but, like he played down to the role. But yeah. but what? How how does that time? Is there any timeline for that? Well, there. Um, it's a lot. Like it, you're basically just like flirting with chaos. Like mm. you that you don't really. It's like anything in life. You don't really have that much control in the actual flow of things. The best thing you can do is really just, like, get good at finding scripts and also, like, understanding, yeah, like, with Jamie Foxx, like, he probably made Buko Bucks for that movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And, like, every time that somebody watches that movie, he gets a little, he gets a little something off the top. So, like, it's also about being a good a business person, like. Yeah. It's, the, it's, a, it's a business, first and foremost, just being able to be an artist is the... The gratifying part of yeah. existing in that business, and I'm guessing. So, so let, I guess now is the proper time to kind of rewind. Uh, what was your inspiration to get into into acting? Oh, okay. Buckle up. This is a good story. All right, let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> I always grew up loving acting and loving, or not loving acting per se, but like loving movies and like I spent a lot of time watching Men in Black. Was like one of my just constantly watching, constantly watching. Right. Um, but. Fast forward a little bit, and I was in junior high. I got in this fight. Uh, Fight? Like fist fight? Like a fist fight. Okay. Uh, This kid tried to, like, stab my cousin with scissors or something. Jeez. And I was like, you're the worst. And so, (laughs) he's like, this is, remember, emos? Okay. (laughs) It was like this emo kid with, like, the swoop hair and everything. Oh, Jesus. So, we have this fight, and, like, I win immediately. Yeah. But, like, all the kids who came to watch the fight want to see, like, a fight. Okay. So they're like, we're going to go rounds. You guys do rounds. Oh, my God. So we, we do it again. This time we, like, fall to the ground, and I'm, like, just trying to keep him from hitting me. And he <laughs> knees me in the shoulder, and he tears my rotator cuff. Jesus. And I just lose, like, the whole hand. I can't. And I'm a righty, too. And he doesn't have the scissors at this point. Like, oh, you're not no. in danger. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. Da- and the danger is uh, just being violently beaten. Okay, got it, got it, yeah. And so they're like, okay, round three. And I'm, I'm down my dominant hand. Yeah, yeah. And so I just, he just takes me to the ground and just like makes a meal with my face. Oh, it, Jesus, it, man. It, oh, it was bad. But so like after that happened, uh, the new Star Trek was coming out. Okay. And like my, my uncle said like, oh, let's go see it. And I was like, okay. It was the next day, and like my eyes all closed up, and I got like scratches all over me, and like my lips all just battered and bruised like I just look like a mess oh god very bad and then in that movie the first like 10 minutes of the movie uh, what's his name Chris Pine yep Mr. Wicked Blue Eyes that guy gets the shit kicked out of him and then somebody sits down and is like hey do you think you can like do better (laughs) and and I was like oh shit and I was like this like the fact that a movie can like connect with like a movie about space it's so it has nothing to do with me but like Something like that could connect with me on such, like, an impactful level of, right. like, oh, like, I could do better. I should do better. Made me think, like, oh, well, I love movies. Like, the fact that I, this is teaching a, a kid that just got his ass kicked that 
he can like do better with his life like that's there's power to that and like yeah people need that and so i was like i that's i want to do that for other people right i think that it says a lot about you too that that you could find that little message in that you know chris pine getting beat up situation because a lot of people would just look at that and like Maybe it would trigger some trauma of, of, of just getting your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. But you took it and you were like, oh, I can, I can see myself there and I can, I can build on that and I can, I can make something out of it. Which I, I think speaks to the, the, the creative mind of the actor. Mm-hmm. Now, now, did you go to school for acting after that? I did. I, did. I went to two years of college at Utah State um, and I, I was on an acting scholarship. Nice. Uh, and then I, when I moved out here, I went to an acting school, like a conservatory, for two years. So what did you uh, learn in your college experience that, that you brought with you now, if anything? Because, you know, I think a lot of people our age, for those of you listening, you know, millennial group, sometimes graduate college and we don't feel like it really served us, whether or not we partied too much and we just can't remember shit or... or <laughs> or we actually didn't really pick a field that we wanted to pick, did you learn something impactful in your for your, your two-by-two two stint? Because your point about the business of acting, I think, really resonated with me. I, I, I feel like that's something that might not be taught in, in acting school. Mm-hmm. So, so, so what, what did you take away, if anything, from, from school? Well, uh, the first, the biggest thing I took away from school was that, like, and uh, this would be controversial, I guess, but I think schools for chumps. Okay, I think that's that fair. I, you learn, and yes, obviously degrees matter, and I can't, I can't really say that like going to college is a waste of money, right? Um, but yeah. most of the things I've learned and like gotten from life, I've learned by living and going out into life. And yes, some of it you learn at a price, obviously. Like for sure, you know, you get a little too drunk, and, you know, you, you learn a good lesson, but yep. you fuck up your day. Yeah, but like, the, especially with the, my two school situations, is you're just in a room with somebody who you're opening your mind to, and most of the time they're not the best people to be opening your mind to. You know what I mean? Like for sure, yeah. Because of the way that it's a power structure and everything, like it's just not the, it's not built for you. It's built to just pump you through it. Right. Right. right? And so, it, uh, the biggest thing I learned is that like, I want my life to be for me. Right. As opposed to being like somebody else just feeding me information that somebody else fed them. So to clarify, you don't feel like you wasted time by going to school, but going to school can be a waste of time. Can be a waste of time. Got it. So bring what what brought you to New York is 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 my next talking point. Yeah. We got on the East Coast, New York, and then on the west coast is la what made you choose between the two because i know that's really that tears at the heartstrings of a lot of aspiring actors which major city to settle down in why why'd you pick here i actually i've done both oh really yeah okay. so I, I lived in la for about six months and then uh like it was a good experience i did i did improv and ucb all that stuff nice um but it was when the, the school called me and i came out here and i ended up just like falling in love with new york especially like as an actor in new york it's like yeah it's the oldest cliche in the book like coming from the, the small town to the big city yeah yeah i'm gonna make it and like the, you just meet so many people there's like this like you're saying about the trauma like there's this like a unifying level of like trauma that just is living in new york for sure that like it makes it it like brings everybody together and like makes it so much fun to like 
just be here. Oh, I'm sure. And and then I can attest to that in the in the sense that sometimes it hits you so hard that you're like, God, why the fuck am I here? Yeah. But you love it so much that you can't leave. So exactly. So let let's let's kind of dive into more more background stuff outside of acting. You know. Uh, you got your mom Holly Rowe, who who works for ESPN. Did did she play a role in you choosing acting, or, or, or conversely, maybe was she surprised when you were like, "Mom, I want to be an actor"? She she was one of the first. Her her and my dad were actually both like massively uh, supportive when it came because I knew pretty early on that I wanted to do something in entertainment. I remember telling my mom I wanted to do stand up. Yeah, and so she bought me. I was like ten. Okay. And she bought me Richard Pryor's Live at the Sunset Strip. Nice. And it's like the one after he um, maybe allegedly tried to kill himself. He set himself on fire. So it's like, it's dark. And it's also Richard Pryor. Right. And I, so like, and I was 10 and I watched that every single day. Really? Just on repeat. That and um, Dave Chappelle's It's Not Killing Him Softly. I think it's Live at the Fillmore. Okay. I watched it every single day. And my mom was just like... Like if that's what you want to do, you got to watch the best. At ten years old, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so not not shy of showing you any profanity, like yeah. just okay, okay. And she's very much just like if you if, if that's what you want to do, you you watch the greats and you you be great. Wow. Well, Holly, I like your sense of humor. If you're listening, so I think you raise a good one here. But what what was your comedy experience or has your comedy experience been uh, uh, uh since it's now a, a kind of a vehicle that helps you with your acting or, or or was at one point your main dream and now has kind of uh is alongside that dream of acting yeah um like comedy for me like especially with stand-up and i none of my none of the i do everything because i just like to do everything because like like, stand-up in particular is, like, the scariest thing I think I've ever done. Yeah. I've done some pretty dumb shit. And like, yeah. Like, especially, it, it taught me how important failure is, and it also taught me how much, like, you have to take time and care with a craft. Yeah. You don't just, you, like, as much as you think that you can just wing something, you have to, like, pour your heart and your soul into it because you're gonna keep failing. Yeah. And if you aren't failing, then you're not growing. So, like... I have to do that salsa of like standing in front of a group of people. You're trying to be funny. Yeah. There's nothing less funny than somebody standing in front of people trying to be funny. For sure. So you're already set up to like the odds are against you, and so like that is the. It's like you feel like a. I don't know. There's actually. <laughs> it's funny. I'm going on a tangent. I'm going Go on. for it. No, no. This is yours. Uh, there's a, a theory I read somewhere that. The reason people have, like, stage fright or afraid to, like, uh, stand in front of groups of people is because back in, like, olden times, the only time you ever did that was when you were being kicked out of, like, the tribe. Oh. And so there's, like, this encoded in our DNA, like, uh, like panic system, basically, of, like, if I'm in front of a group of people and, I'm, and everybody's in front of me, I'm in trouble. So, like, flirting with that idea of, like, okay, my DNA is saying I'm scared. Everything is saying I'm scared, and now I have to perform an art. Is like it's it's just like a, a, a straight adrenaline rush. So so, how do you beat that? Is is it the adrenaline rush that gets you through it, or or do you have to be some kind of fucking sicko to just <laughs> listen to that adrenaline rush and get through it? You you really it's it's you got to be a sicko. You got to be yeah. you got to be a savage. Like 
uh, like I love the stuff that you post about like exercise and everything because like it's that same. Th- you have to surprise yourself for sure. For like, sure. The best stand-up bit you you've come to one of my one of my best shows where I like I started to surprise myself and I ended up becoming funnier and funnier because I like the fear started to go away and started to become this other thing of like me making jokes about how sad it is that I can't be Bill Cosby for Christmas or for yeah yeah. I like the uh, side note. I like the uh, the black kid in Utah looking in the mirror bit. That's a, <laughs> it's a good it's a good opening one. Uh, yeah. It lets you know. It teaches you a lot about right. <laughs> right. I I think yeah. I've seen enough of your stand up and to to where I, to where I thought actually before get, like getting to know you know you that uh, I thought comedy was your main thing mm. because you look so comfortable up there and I think that there's so much that goes into developing that comfort. Mm. And then also at the same time realizing from from the outside looking in that that you might still be shitting your pants up yeah. there like really kind of nervous but you're you're pulling it out and you're making it look like you are and you've done this many many times. Yeah. Uh, what what was the follow up to the Richard Pryor Dave Chappelle? Did you have somebody after that came after them that you started watching? Because I I my dad my father was a frequenter of comedy central mm-hmm. uh so by proxy i was gen i was generally if i was ever watching tv with them it was if it wasn't south park it was usually some sort of like a little stand-up special like yeah that, you know jim else. gaffigan popping up on the tv and I, I just particularly laughed at him not because he was like the funniest of the funny something about the the little like <laughs> voice just kind of <laughs> just the hot pocket voice just kind of got me at like 13 14 years mm-hmm. old uh, who who did you have that was like the guy that was like okay like seeing things through a different lens than Chappelle and Pryor? It was probably ooh, that's a good one. I went through a couple of fa- Patton Oswalt was a big one. Yeah, uh, and then it, and then Tom Segura was big. Okay, uh, and then there was this guy. Uh, not many people know him actually. Uh, Dan Dan Cummings. Okay, he like his his kind of like he just has this humor that's very like very similar to mine where it's it's just very off kilter and yep. it's very weird and it's it's definitely like about the it feels like somebody who's like going down this dark spiral in their brain of just like oh the chaos um but yeah. he just does it in such an interesting way and so like he kind of like showed me like oh you can be super weird and talk about weird shit like it doesn't have to just be like well crafted jokes about like some people do this and some people do that. It can be about like your own like, like what, a, what was it? He has one where he wants to like scare people by like saying that he's obsessed with peanut butter and then like rub it in his hair and run down the street naked. And I was yeah. like, yes, I I resonate with that. I, I resonate with that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then, and then oh fuck, who was the other good one? Oh, George Carlin was also big. Okay, George Carlin was that guy was like he's like going to church like. He everything that George Carlin says is the smartest thing that you'll hear. Right. Him and he is what Dave Chappelle is right now for us. That's what George Car- like. George Carlin was the epitome of what he's doing now. Yeah. How do you bridge the gap when you're doing a stand-up show or doing some sort of comedy between what's relatable with your audience if you know what kind of audience you got going in? And what's just like absolutely absurd because I feel like a lot of comedians, uh, some of the scenarios they describe when they're talking about, so I was walking down the street and like that, what what follows walking down the street is usually something that everybody's been into is just like 
they they bump into somebody or something that we've all experienced and it's just their funny rendition of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the complete opposite side of the spectrum, which is just like Eric fucking Andre, which is yeah. just like nobody knows where the fuck that came from. But it's funny because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Like how do you how do you find what what where to I should say maybe maybe when to decide to be crazy stupid and then when to decide to like all right let me bring it back to like real life stuff yeah. like is that does that happen throughout the course of a routine or do you have some days where you just decide I'm going to be completely ridiculous today I, I think it's a it's a nice little mixture because like a lot of the most relatable stuff about us is like like especially like we've had conversations where like the most relatable part of the conversation is when we're saying some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's, we all feel crazy shit. We all think crazy shit. It's yeah. just, we're just like stuck in this place that doesn't want us to act out on the crazy shit, right? For sure. And so like, we all, like, I think that there's like a nice little, there's a mixture of the two that's like, I was walking down the street, I saw somebody stupid, and I really wondered if I could, if I could just like poop on them. Yeah. <laughs> And it's so it's super weird, and but like for some reason a bunch of us are like, huh, maybe I don't think we do that, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it's it's just like the like the grasp of, like absurdity is like absurdity is surprising, but absurdity is also really everybody has that in them. Yeah, is that's why people love Eric and Andre. The people want to be absurd. Yeah, they want they want that, and so it, that's really relatable. At the end, it's funny that it's it's both, but yeah, I like that you bridge uh, that you made that connection because there's so I I get that like I get that there's points there there's there's things that people think that you know regular people not comedians so there's things that regular people think throughout the course of the day that they probably think are so individual like nobody else is thinking this thought Mm -hmm. but i think it's the hallmark of a fucking awesome comedian when they bring up that one scenario and people in the crowd they're already engaged and turned on to it because they're like no way he thinks that thought too (laughs) yeah like like like, i feel seen like he also dreams about eating diapers no way like i had that same dream (laughs) i Uh, dream about sushi diapers all the time right right um i i love that that's that's awesome what is it now uh, that you're up to? You know, pandemic. We're locked inside. You you, you have all these different uh, people saying uh, world's gonna reopen. We're gonna stay shut down until 2021. How do you how do you uh, stay busy as an actor, comedian, writer, director? Uh, well, it's uh, it's not easy. Yeah, that much. It's a lot of staring at my computer, knowing that I need to write things. Yeah, and and just being like. Or, or hear me out. I'm gonna go masturbate and watch TV. It's it's like fair. It's but like it's also I don't know. This time is I've changed. I'm different now. We yeah. all are. Yeah. But like I've kind of accepted the idea of like ah fucking who knows what's gonna happen. Let's just I'm just gonna do shit I like. I'm kind of done trying to like ah. And so like I wrote uh, I wrote a pilot and. Like two weeks ago, we shot it. I directed it, and there was like six of us in it. Nice. And now we're gonna shoot. We're gonna shoot the full season just because we have somebody with a camera, and fucking the world's over or not over. Nobody knows. Yeah. So exactly. Why not just like go for it? So I've been doing that. You know, a little bit, of, a little bit of work here or there, but just trying to stay creative because I know that the masturbate and watch TV version of me is just barking at the door. It's creeping, right? What what do what is it about? 
I, I feel like everybody who labels themselves as quote unquote creative has a process or or a way that they find their ideas. Do you have a a, a process? Do you have a, a, a way that you sit down and, and plan your ideas out? Do they just come to you after a couple beers? What is your creative process like? It's a, uh, my creative process is just. I feel like I'm, I feel like a broken record now. It's just living life. Like you just gotta, yeah. You just gotta go do shit. You gotta just like be with people, do shit, think weird things. Cause like everything, it can be turned into something creative. Yeah. Like we could just freestyle, make up an interesting movie right now. It'd be super easy. Yeah. Just like say three words, any just randomly. Uh. Hot dog bath. Hot dog bath. All right. Uh, this man was working one day at the hot dog factory and he slipped and he fell. <laughs> he fell into the hot dog bath. And now he's hot dog bath man. <laughs> it's a concept, man. Like that's a Netflix not, show right, right there. Like I'll animated. I would get somebody to draw that. Right? It'd be easy. Yeah. And then he's everybody likes hot dogs. Yeah. Well, I actually so don't like hot dogs, but I'd watch the show. Okay, okay. I'd watch the show. I don't know why those words popped into my head. I think you like hot dogs is what that means. I don't know. Maybe it's a Freudian thing, but... Uh, but it was a Freudian, um, my dad's penis. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> what does, uh, what does, what, what does your, you know, the, the writing side, because we haven't talked about much, mm-hmm. like the writing, directing, producing part of what you do, but, uh, are there aspirations on that end that you long-term want to accomplish? Maybe create a Netflix show of your own? What, 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 yeah. what do you think could, could happen there? Uh, very much like making my own show. I have, I have a dream of making an HBO show. That's like the goal. I want to make an HBO TV show. I want to make a movie. I want to make millions of both of those. Right. I just want to make shit, make shit, make shit. And like my, especially with writing, like, Writing is just super cool because it's, you're just it's just emptiness. And yep. You're just trying to like find order in this emptiness, and so like I sit down and I'll, I'll do an outline and then I'll do a first draft and then I'll realize that the outline was trash, so the first draft is trash, so it's right. back to square one. Yeah. And it's, it's really just like chiseling away. Like you gotta set up this marble. You just put all this dumb shit out there and then slowly chisel away at it and chisel away at it until you have like an okay or good script. Now, are you the stereotypical right at the desk and then play paper basket basketball with the old ideas? Or do you... Because I'm one of these weirdos that I'll actually write down ideas mm-hmm. when, I, when I was writing and I'll keep them. Like, I'll crumple up the paper, but I won't throw it away. Like, I'll be like, uh, eh, you know, something in that idea might stick later. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you ever return to old ideas when you're writing shit down? Oh, all the time. One of my... Actually, the I'm writing a, uh, a movie right now, and it's based off this idea that I had back in, like, I think it was, like, middle school. Yeah. But I just, like, happened. I just remember, I just remember coming up with it, and, like, it's just stuck with me and stuck with me and stuck with me. And, like, it's one of the best things that I'm working on right now, because, at, like, wh- whatever I was thinking in that moment was, like, so much more powerful than, like, when I was... I watched Fleabag and I was like, I should make my version of Fleabag. Yeah, right. Like it was, it's just such a, it's a, a better idea. It just it, good ideas stick with you. You can't really lose like actually really good ideas. There's always something in there. I like that. Yeah, I think there's 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 value in you know not just writing shit down but but keeping it handy. I, I definitely have like old notebooks that I haven't tossed away from like from like college. Yeah. Like four or five years ago that I thought might be meaningless, but I'll occasionally return to. 
because you know at some point you know listeners might not know this about me but i'd like to return to writing in some form at, at one point or another and i feel like keeping those notebooks will help me do that oh yeah what is it about because I I personally love HBO. What is it about HBO that makes that makes you want to bring it to that platform? Uh, for for from your perspective, it's definitely like it's also part of like being like remembering HBO shows when you're a little kid, like The Sopranos. Where yeah, it's like yeah, that's where you go for good TV for sure. You know, and so like like I just watched uh, they have Perry Mason on. Okay, and dude, watch him. Good. I'll check it out. But like every every time I watch something on HBO, it's just like good. And there's a lot of they have they they make good shit, and they don't they don't have like this other other services might just be like hey whatever just go just put some shit in there. But like yeah, they accrue talent and they attract talent and they recognize talent. So that kind of feels like the most like gratifying place. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think you know. I've watched my fair share of, you know, Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. You know, I can't go wrong with that type of stuff. I, I do think that they they do their cinematics in a way that just makes it more uh, captivating. Yeah. What do you think about the concept of, and I'm sure, you you know, you being that uh, your mom regularly hangs out with TV personalities, mainly on ESPN, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make of the idea that, uh, and I, I think I've seen once or twice, you know, a blue check mark commented on your Instagram. Mm. Do do you ever feel like at some point you'll leverage those connections? Like maybe like reach out to somebody in in your mom's network and be like, hey, so uh, I'm working on a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I run it by you? Maybe you don't even cast them, but maybe you just like think like, what are your thoughts? Is that something you've ever thought of? Yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, I've definitely there's but there's definitely been a couple of times where we're all out doing whatever, drinking, and I'll just be like, hey, I mean, it's oh, great. like out for drinks, you'll go and yeah, hang out yeah. with them, nice. So nice. Like, it's I mean, it's always it's never like I have a bad I'm bad I'm a bad salesman. So okay, okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ne- I and I know that about myself, so I never like try to pitch people. Yeah, but I'm very much like. Uh, I'm just very. I just try to be very honest with people about like. Oh, I see that you you have a connection with this, and I have a connection with that. That's cool. All right. Yeah, and, yeah. And kind of just like if we foster a relationship and that builds on something else, that'd be awesome. But like, yeah. It, I never wanted to be like. I have a weird relationship with that idea of like leveraging things or anything like that. Okay, I, okay. It's definitely a fear. It's a fear for me. Is like I don't want to ever be seen as the guy who like. Hey, so. Uh, I need a favor. Right, yeah, yeah. I, like, hate... I hate asking for favors. I don't know what it is. For sure. No, there's definitely, like... You know, and I'm personally the same way. I can never be that person. And I know that there's people in my quote-unquote network who... You know, maybe I went to college with or took a class with in college that I don't really speak to. But we became friends on Facebook. And now I see they're working at BET and... You know, could I ask them for some sort of job or referral? Maybe, mm-hmm. but but does it does it make sense to do that? Does it do I, do I feel good about doing that? That's the, that's Not necessarily, the right? Yeah. Right. What about um, let's just let's let's have a little more fun with it. What was your absolute worst stand up experience? Oh boy, so oh this one was bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, so I. It was right after the Game of Thrones finale. It okay. Was literally. The so next recent. Day. Yeah. It was recent. Well, yeah, like last year. Within a year. Yeah. yeah. And um, I got up there and like the the guy before me just bombed. Okay. 
And when it when the person before you bombs, like you're like, oh, I can't do anything wrong now. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it can go it can go one of two ways. You can either be better than him, or now the audience is mad. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, oh, this motherfucker better be good. Exactly. And the second you don't, you're not that good. Yeah. They come after you. But so I got up there. I had one too many drinks, and I I did my first. I do my I had my little classic opener about the mirror. Okay. And then I just like felt the need. I was like, let's talk about. Game of Thrones. Oh, God. And everybody was like, yeah, we love Game of Thrones. And I was like, oh, nice. fuck that show. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> and I immediately took an audience that was kind of like, uh, and I just turned them. Down the down tick, right. And then I just, and then I, I made the mistake of like, just like starting to beg for them to come back to me. And I started, and my jokes just got worse and worse. And at one point I started talking about, um, what's it called? Uh, I started talking about like victim mentality. And oh, okay. I was like, "Why are you talking about this in a in stand-up? Why to you yourself, you're thinking this, yeah, yeah. Because it was just like a thought that came in my head, and I was just like, "Does anybody ever call themselves a victim?" And then I'm like, "Why are you doing this? Oh, jeez." And like my the guy gave me the light, and he came up, and he was just like, "Okay, that was bad, but it's oh, jeez." Okay. And the guy after me just immediately was like, "Y'all didn't fuck with him, huh?" And everybody was like, "No." Oh God. And then I had to sit like staring at this person as a whole room of people were just like yeah fuck that guy <laughs> he was terrible jeez oh it was a tough day <laughs> so when oh man I completely lost my train of thought but it was it had to pertain to like reading a crowd like that do you do you have moments you mentioned taking improv classes in, in school and in, in when you went to LA where you have to wing it like, do you just do you like decide like okay, this routine's not going to work. I got to pick up and just do something else. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and that's the that's the dangerous part is like sometimes when you're winging it, you're like you're flying high and you're like, all right, let's glide, let's find a new way to fly. And sometimes the shit that you wrote isn't working, and you're like, I just need to. I'm okay. Maybe I'll come up with something to get me out of this hole that I've dug myself into. Right. So it, it very much is one of those things where it can go. It can go great. Yeah. Uh, it, one of my one of my best jokes that I've ever made was the like like I said the Cosby not being able to dress up like Cosby for yeah. an Halloween joke yeah and like that was purely just came up with that on the spot whereas making my Game of Thrones sucks joke also came up with that on the spot two very very different reactions okay, okay. so like you have to prepare but and you have to you have to be open to improvising but every now and again you're gonna fucking suck see I personally and this maybe this is just like for 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 my personal fear of going to a comedy show and getting pointed at and be like, hey you, you know, when when comedians do that and be like, like, are, are you over twenty one? Or when they just ask somebody in the crowd just some random shit and put mm-hmm. people on the spot, is that a, is that a? I've always wondered internally what's going on in a comedian's head when they do that. Not that they're not, not that what they're doing before they ask somebody in the crowd something. Not that they're not funny. But is that like a like a, a tactic that they go to when they're maybe running out of material, or like when when does asking the crowd something or talking to people in the crowd become an okay thing? Because like I yeah. saw I saw I've seen pe- comedians do it really well, yeah. And you see the the people in the crowd they react really well. I think it was like uh, Michael Shea's most recent th- stand up, mm-hmm. where you know he had some great conversations and you know he he. He brought up some controversial topics with Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, but people in the crowd responded well to it mm-hmm. because he didn't call people out and he wasn't like, "Hey, you motherfucker!" Like he actually was like talking to the crowd. Yeah, is that a, is that a like 
something that that is planned or is that something that comedians default to when they're like oh, what should i do it's a, it's a, it can be both um you like with with like the really good like the really good comedians if they're doing it that's probably planned yeah because yeah. like every if you see uh, an eddie murphy show yeah he's done that 80 90 times that exact same way and like with that same comma and that yeah yeah so like if he starts talking to somebody in the crowd he's doing that on purpose but like some people are much more uh like i just watched gerard carmichael and oh. he has like this whole scene or scene with this whole bit where he's just talking with some guy and it's very much like it's very impromptu yeah but like he's a pro so like it's okay and that's kind of what he's aiming for anyways yeah whereas like some people are just uh, they're floundering and so they're like okay maybe if i talk to people in the crowd and then and then next thing you know everything just slowly falls apart because now the people in the crowd turn on you dude yeah i mean improving is is hard it's hard oh my god it's fucking hard in college i took a class freshman year of college when I wasn't here in New York, I was over in New Jersey. Mm. I took, I had the option to do either uh, a public speaking class or an acting class. And an acting class just sounded more fun because it's like, who wants to like public speaking class? I thought of like getting up on a podium and reading a declaration of like, it just sounded like the most dry class of like being in front of people, which I already didn't want to do, but I was like, if I'm going to be in front of people, let me like, at least have the potential to entertain them as opposed yeah. to just talking. Yeah. So I took an acting class and this, this teacher was, you know, not going to lie. It was, you know, freshman year of college, I'm surrounded by people I don't really know. Mind you, they're all from Jersey. No disrespect to people from Jersey, but you guys are a little weird over there. And Jersey actors? <laughs> and, you know, they weren't all actors either. I'm sure they just took this class for the same exact reason I did. But, but you know, the, the, the teacher started to rub off on me a little bit more as the semester went on. But in the beginning, she just seemed nuts. Yeah. And one of the first drills she made us do was improv. And it wasn't improv like just, you know, setting us up on stage and making us act. But she paired us up with partners, and she paired me up with, like, of course, like, the fucking hottest girl in my class. And all she does is she goes, guys, just, I just want you to speak gibberish to your partner for 30 seconds at a time, and we'll switch, and we'll go. So I'm, like, I'm like talking to this really hot girl who, like, I've never really talked to before. Yeah. One. Two... Doing some silly shit. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just like looking at her like, and just had to say nothing to her. And I was like, this is the lat. Like, this is the complete opposite of what I want to say. To this girl, what I would like. Well, I'm not gonna say what I wanted to say to her, but you know. Want to clap those cheeks? <laughs> and you know, it was just, it was just so weird at the time. But I look back on it, and I'm like, wow, that did a lot for. Like, if I didn't do that class, I couldn't be doing this podcast right yeah. now. Like, I, I definitely was able to collect my thoughts in a way, even even though it was absolute nonsense, I was able to collect my thoughts in a way that when I do have something to say that's important, you can kind of succeed a little bit better. Exactly. Yeah. So, so there is, like, so much value to that. I, w- I wish everybody could have done that, what I did, at least it, even if it was just for that 30-second drill, mm-hmm. because, you know... And, and it's for a grade. That's the only reason. I, if if you were to tell me just speak gibberish to me right now, I'd be like, what the, "You're you're nuts." Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna do that. But yeah. but the, the fact that I did it and I I was not forced to do it, but I was I was co- compelled to do it mm-hmm. uh, was was super transformative. 
Uh, anyway, it just got real deep there. But, uh, but that's, it, that's the thing. I was like, we, I don't know. And I'm, I'm gonna get all existential and deep. Go for it, man. That's like, that's what we're all about here. We're all we're all like, how many people do you know that actually like just do just do random shit? Just yeah. Whatever, whatever the cops and everywhere, everything feels so control. Especially now, everything yeah. feels so like controlled and concise. And I'm trying to make sure that. I look like this, or do this, or sound like this, or am like this. Yeah. And there's, you, and I mean, we all do. I do it. I'm doing it now. I'm making sure my voice sounds good for the podcast. But right. Like, right. It, we need that moment where we just get to be outside of that. All that. You know what I mean? Like every time I get drunk with friends, I like to get. Well, not every time. <laughs> I've been obsessed with. Yeah, it could be every time. It's it's close. Yeah. <laughs> but like freestyle. Yeah. Like freestyle with friends. Uh, the fact that I'm black makes it uh, that has nothing to do with the freestyling. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I was you know there are no stereotypes okay. here. But like when you freestyle, especially when you're with like your friends and shit, like, yeah. It, it there's something about just like running, just going off the dome, just running your mouth and like just saying whatever comes into you, and like that that freedom, like it's like the speaking the gibberish. Where like yeah, for a second you stop trying to do all this shit, and you're just like, if I, can I put words to? Can I make words rhyme? <laughs> Like, that's all you're trying to do. And it's like, that's why, like, improv is so cool. It's like, you get to bust out of whatever, whatever modus operandi you've been trapped in for the day. Right. You get to just fucking be a weirdo. Yeah. You know what that makes me think of, too, is, like, I, I, I harp on this thought a lot, is that that type of free-flowing, like, uh, stream of consciousness thought, I think you can group that in the same... Maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but I think you can group that in the same box as, like, meditation, right? Because yeah. both of those things are like thoughtless. Like yeah. you're you're not necessarily worried. You're not you're not caring about what this thought sounds like. Just like when you're meditating, you're not caring about anything at all. Yeah, uh, is is awesome. Like when like when I transferred to my school here in New York after taking that class. I regularly hung out with two guys who were in music. You know, mm-hmm. one is a producer slash rapper, and the other was is, is a rapper performer. Mm-hmm. And we did that. We would we would sit around the table at night uh, when it got you know darker, have a couple beers, and we'd like play an instrumental and just freestyle. Yeah. Uh, and it's, surprisingly, it's yeah, man, surprisingly, you know, the one with no real musical background, surprisingly, I wasn't the worst one there it means you're open (laughs) yeah i was i was willing to just say anything even if it was ridiculous as like rhyming the words cat and hat but i said it and if it was the right beat and i said it with the right flow and you know we're getting into you know rap rule book here but like it sounded fucking sick and everybody's like ah like there's nothing he said cat and hat (laughs) he's like i said cat and hat yeah, like you, you get a, a rush out of that that I think is is unique and I, I think is is good for your brain too. Like yeah. just just to give that that different type of uh, a stimulation because you're you're re, you're repatterning things. Like we, your brain like creates these like highways of just how you do shit. Yeah, and like you get like the more you just do shit the same way, that's like where like dementia comes from. Is you just like yeah make these neural pathways and all these connections that they just slowly solidify and you. It's like traffic in your brain, and exactly. then it really fucking turns from a free flowing highway to like L.A. to 
south of Southern California like very quickly exactly. if, if you just do the same old shit. And you, you, you gotta like, uh, this is random, but we had a teacher in my acting school who made us do. She was an animal teacher. Okay. So animal she, teacher, like she yeah. taught animals, or she taught about. And she taught animal movement <laughs> to uh, us. Okay. So she was this Russian lady. She couldn't hear. She had the craziest accent. Great. Uh, I would do it for you, but you have no form of reference, so it wouldn't really matter. That's okay. <laughs> but so she would make us. She'd, like, make us run around the room and do all this shit and, like, go up and down. And then, like, she made us pick an animal. And then we had to be the animal. Got it. And then for the, the final or whatever, we had to bring in food and eat the food. Like the animal. Like the animal. Oh, yes. And then we, none of us knew what was going to happen. We all brought our food. And then she is a two-hour class. She sat in the corner <laughs> of the room for two hours. And we were just... In the room with our food, being our animals, and every time somebody tried to stop it, she was just like, "No, no, you the animal." And so we were, just, we just like trapped for two hours, and like mine was, I picked the lion, which was so fucking dumb. Oh it's, goodness! But it was also like, so I get that you gotta do weird shit. I yeah, did that weird thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm different now. Hey, I don't think I've ever wanted a job more than I want hers like I would oh, oh my god I, I yeah. would pay the school to have that job to sit and watch kids be animals for two hours like for a great gold yeah I being an acting teacher it's my fear it's my biggest fear in life is failing in what I want to do and becoming an acting teacher <laughs> sorry acting teachers if you listen but to be an acting teacher, you could just tell people to do weird like all my acting te- we had one teacher who told us he put boxes on the floor. And he was like, get in the box. And each box represents an emotion. And you have to just do the most version of that emotion. And we do that for hours. And I'm like... Oh, God. If I was a teacher, that would be the funniest shit to me. Oh, I'm sure. Because you're watching sure. like, young like 20-somethings be like, I feel so many things! Oh, my God. And in your head, you're like rubbing your hands together like, oh, how badly do you want this? Yeah, come on. How badly do you want Earn this A+. A+. <laughs> Earn that A. Earn it. Oh, goodness. Now, wow. now lick your foot. Wow. Distracting. <laughs> that, that conversation actually spiraled into a way that I didn't expect, but I liked it. It was good. Um, good, good segue in, into the close. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Oh fuck yeah, dude! Um, awesome. I, I I love that we just kind of got into the nitty gritty about your your career and then just just the the things that make your career fun. Yeah. Uh, tell the listeners as we kind of wrap up here. Uh, where they can find you, what they can expect from you, if you have any projects you want to shout out, people you want to shout out uh, as, we're, as we're closing up here. All right, all right, all right. Uh, obviously, follow me on Instagram. My name is uh, Chuck McDiggins, uh, at Chuck McDiggins, spelled mm-hmm. uh, McDiggins. Um, watch, uh, watch Amazon. There's gonna be, I'm going to have a show coming to Amazon in probably the next like six months or so. Nice, so, nice. Obviously, I'll post about it more, but uh, also just... Listen to this podcast and keep listening to it. I also have a question. Yes. What is potentiation? Potentiation. Potentiation. Uh, so in in episode three, I gave a little a little bit on what potentiation is. Basically, in in fitness, potentiation is is like you think of like warming up mm-hmm. and getting your muscles ready for an exercise. It's like warming up. Save save the you know. I'm just going to use a, another fitness reference to reference this it's like warming up on steroids 
Yeah. Like you do, like let's say. uh, It's like the best version of like getting warm. Right. Like working up that lather, like Kobe used to say. You know, you know, you know the rower. Like Mm -hmm. you hop on the rower and you do ten seconds going balls to the wall fast as you possibly can. Do that if you ever deadlift heavy again. If you ever get into a gym again, Mm -hmm. uh, and you're about to do a super heavy deadlift, try rowing as fast as you can for ten seconds, and then doing, and then deadlifting. Okay. You might be surprised at how easy it feels to lift the weight. That's what potentiation is: is just essentially giving your nervous system a shock, so that you're preparing yourself for something that's like ridiculously hard. Uh, and how I came out for the name of it was just you know potentiation podcast. I'm setting myself up for something that is uh, big in the future, right? Like if this podcast blows up and I start interviewing celebrities, you know, these first six, seven episodes are the, are the potentiation for that. I like that. Uh, it's, fun, it's funny we talked about the neural pathways and everything. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's the and it all ties back. That's the that's the if I can leave the people with anything. Have a little shock to your system. We all got a big shock to the system, right? And like, we should we should follow suit and keep keep shocking. Yeah, keep and I hope shocked. I hope that the that this podcast is potentiation for my guests too. Like, right? You know, the, the MMA fighter I interviewed in episode four. Uh, he was like, "Hey, man! Like, you know, after the episode wrapped up, he was like, i 'I'd love to come back when I'm fighting for Dana White.'" And I was like, "Shit, dude." You're more than welcome. I, I was like, I better be the first fucking podcast that you come to. So, uh, you know, no pressure. But if, you, if you're if you in Hollywood in a couple of years, uh, I'm going to invite you back. So oh, just, just be ready for it. Oh, I, I, you be ready. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be like, oh, that fucking Mac guy keeps showing up on our podcast. Yeah, he keeps DMing me, asking to get on. And it's like, I'm, I'm too booked up. But I got to get that pause, man. <laughs> I got to get that Oh, oh. Yeah, well, we'll have more fun. I'll have a studio next time we so we can actually record and make it legit. But uh, thank, you. thank you for hopping on today. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Everybody at home, thank you for listening. Who's who's out there just looking for some laughs? This is the episode to tune into. This has been episode six of the Potentiation Podcast. Thank you guys for listening.